You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Bridges to Excellence, or BTE, is a not-for-profit organization that designs and creates programs that encourage physicians and physician practices to deliver safer, more effective, and efficient care by giving them financial and other incentives to do so. Sounds perfect. Let's see if it works. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Francois DeBrant, the National Coordinator for Bridges to Excellence. He is responsible for supervising the implementation of BTE programs in different parts of the country. Welcome to the show, Francois. Thank you, Doctor. Francois, can you tell me a little bit more about how you came up with BTE? Bridges to Excellence started out as a collaborative effort between large employers who were really frustrated by the lack of good information on physician quality in the communities in which they had lots of employees. And so to solve that dilemma of understanding who's delivering good quality, they got together and figured that maybe perhaps changing the way the incentives work today and offering a financial incentive for those physicians who could demonstrate that they were delivering better quality care would be an effective way of both rewarding higher quality care but also getting to better transparency on quality. And it's a formula that has worked incredibly well in a number of communities across the country where there are now tens of thousands of physicians who have received these financial incentives, significantly improved the quality of care that they are delivering to patients, and providing consumers with good information on who's doing a better job. Is this the pay-for-performance we keep hearing about, or is this different? No, this is the pay-for-performance that we keep hearing about. And, of course, five years ago, no one was really talking about this or referring to these activities as pay-for-performance, but now everyone is. And I personally think it's a misnomer because the current payment systems pay for performance. The performance that they pay for is volume. What we tried to do then, what we're continuing to try to do today, is to shift the focus from volume to outcomes. And that's what we're really creating an incentive around, good outcomes for patients. What if I have an extremely complicated, unhealthy population and my outcomes are far worse than the guy living in a nice neighborhood down the street? Well, that's a great question, and it's one that every physician in the country, I think, has asked me at one point or another. And the answer has been and continues to be we offer severity adjustments on our performance measurement programs. And to date, you'll be perhaps interested to know that there hasn't been a physician that has asked us to severity adjust their performance measures. And I think the reason for that is because the measurement itself is fairly uncontested. And the calibration of the measures is well enough done that most physicians who look at their performance don't feel that there's really a need or a justification for any form of severity adjustment. Has the federal government looked at your program at all, or did you look at theirs? Is anyone looking at each other's? We're all looking at each other's programs, and, you know, we've been working with the federal government for years, really sharing best practices, learning from one another. Our focus in Bridges to Excellence has been and continues to be in really going down and looking at medical record information in physician offices across all of their their patients. Most of the programs in pay for performance today, as you know, are focused mostly on trying to measure performance through claims data. We've always had an issue with that. We continue to have an issue with that. And our focus has been and will continue to be really focusing on medical record information. What kind of successes or failures have you 
had thus far? Well, I think our biggest success has been to really stimulate the fundamental re-engineering of practices in a number of different communities. And what I mean by the fundamental re-engineering is that the wonderful part about working with physicians is that they are consummate professionals, and they want to do a good job fundamentally. And as a result of which, if you give them the opportunity to observe for themselves the quality of care that they're giving to patients on a representative sample, then they really start thinking about how do I close the gaps that I'm perceiving in my practice and how do I continue to learn to do a better job. And it is happening, but you need to get to that through a different type of dialogue, a dialogue which says, look at your data, understand your data, understand what's happening in your practice, and then deploy the right resources to close those quality gaps. The frustration is that it takes a tremendous amount of time to do that. I think that the purchaser community and the payer community is frustrated, and it's frustrated because for years, costs have gone up and quality has stayed pretty much the same. And so there's lots of impatience on the purchaser and payer side, which is absolutely understandable, increasingly impatience on the consumer side. And yet we need to continue to be patient and understand that the fundamental reengineering of a physician practice is something that takes time, takes a significant amount of resources, and we all need to work together to get to that goal. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. I'm talking today with Francois Debrant, the National Coordinator of Bridges to Excellence. Francois, you mentioned earlier about large employers interested in this kind of model. I was under the impression that large employers are really looking for a more socialized system from the government so that their costs can kind of stay the same, so their heads are staying above water. Well, I think the purchaser community is really still very much in the camp of insurance, health insurance being offered by employers to their employee population. There are a few large employers that absolutely have given up and are looking for a social solution. Oftentimes, when you get into these discussions about single-payer, though, people get to confuse two issues. One is universal coverage, which most reasonable people, and I consider myself one of those reasonable people, believe that there ought to be universal coverage. But there's a difference between the debate around universal coverage, who gets to pay what at what level of the system, and how do you then manage this entire system in a way that is going to be conducive to continuous quality improvement, looking for efficiencies and higher effectiveness of care. And you have to split these two decisions apart. Universal coverage is one issue, quality of care and better output for the resources that are being pumped into the system is a completely separate issue. What have you seen personally in other systems throughout the world? How are they doing with a single payer? Well, they're doing poorly. Everyone's doing poorly, and no one has figured out yet what is the combination of factors in any health system that is going to create the type of value that I think everyone is looking for. So in Europe, you've got now increasing experimentation around uh, bringing in, in fact, third-party payers, health insurers, to compete for consumers in the marketplace. The governments are increasingly stepping away because they realize that a large bureaucracy is not a solution to a market and that ultimately you have to create mechanisms in any industry 
so that people think about how to continue to improve the value of the product or service that's being created. So everyone's struggling with this, and we're, we're in discussions with healthcare leaders in, in European countries, in South Africa, and in China, and everyone is trying to figure out how to create a system that is going to be sustainable. No one has the answer, but I think most everyone believes that there are a small number of core ingredients for success. When I was a kid, my mother used to go to the pediatrician, and I would get a checkup, and I would get shots, and she would write a check for $35, and it was all over. Why can't we go back to that simple system? Well, I think we are going back to that simple system in, in many respects. The trend of consumer-driven healthcare programs, the trend towards increasing the amount of consumers that are under health insurance plans that are quote-unquote consumer-driven, really gets us back to those days where increasingly people are paying out of pocket for your more basic needs in healthcare services. The bottom line with, with those types of activities is that it does increase the sensitivity of the consumer, both towards the cost of care as well as the quality of care. However, your average consumer does not spend a whole heck of a lot more than five or $600 per year on healthcare expenses. Where it really matters is for the 20% or the 15% of the patients that consume 80% of the resources, and at that level, high deductibles and out-of-pocket costs really make almost no difference because you're in a life-threatening situation or you've got a lifetime chronic condition. So we need something more than just consumer activation. We also need to bake in good incentives at the physician and hospital level so that people can keep their eye on the prize, and the prize is better value for the dollar spent today. Let's get back to Bridges to Excellence. Can a single solo practitioner sign up for this program if he has no electronic medical record? Is there a way to follow or check his benchmarks to see how he's doing? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I would say that 75 to 80 percent of the physicians who have gone through the Bridges to Excellence program with any one of the performance assessment organizations that we work with do not have electronic medical records. And in fact, when we originally designed this, we didn't design this five years ago around the 2% of physicians that had EMRs. We were really designing it for any average physician practice. And the idea was, as long as you can create an index system within a shoebox so that you have little cards so that you know who your patients are who have diabetes or cardiovascular disease or heart failure, and then understand and manage those patients, you're perfectly fine. And you ought to be able to go through the program, improve the quality of the care that you're delivering, and qualify for incentives. So this is designed really for any physician practice in the country. Francois, since I'm interviewing you, can you pull some strings and get me into the Bridges to Excellence program? Or do I have to sign up or audition? What do I have to do? You have to go through uh, performance assessment just like any other physician, unfortunately. So I can't give you a passing grade unless... I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm sure you are, and everyone else in the country always tells me that they're way above average, and I just keep wondering, well, who are the guys who are below <laughs> average? In the years I've been doing this, I, I really haven't yet met a physician who doesn't want to fundamentally do a good job for the patients that they're caring for. And 90% of the time, they think they're doing a good job just like you think you're doing a good job, but it's not really based on any fundamental analysis of data within that practice. And that's because the doctor's busy seeing patients, treating those patients, 
and doesn't necessarily have the time to sit down at the end of the day and to look through all the medical records and say, how am I doing objectively? Can I create my scorecard and understand how I'm doing managing my patients? That's really what we've tried to do with Bridges is to get that idea in the physician's head that says, I know you're doing a good job, but you know what? You ought to make sure you are. And so if you start creating a system within your practice that gathers information on patients with chronic conditions and look at the data, understand how you're doing, you'll find out that you're probably not doing as well as you think you are or certainly as well as you think you could. And at that point, you'll know what to do to improve the quality of the care of the patients that you're caring for and that's what we're trying to get to. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Francois Dubrant, for coming on the show. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.